Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. We live in a world accelerating and fast forward. We have more changes in one of our days than in decades of our grandparents' lives. It just seems like everything just keeps accelerating. And the ability to paint a vision of the future or to see around corners and far ahead uh, is one of the great tests of leadership in our time. Uh, and today we have one of those great visionaries who who gets what it means to look around corners and into the future. Honor Rold is the founder and publisher of The Diplomatic Courier, a global affairs media network. And uh, Anna, you are a future Futurist, futurist. Uh, we appreciate you joining us on the program today. Thank you so much for having me, Boyd. Very pleased to be here. Uh, and so is uh, I want to get first while you're why you're here in uh, Utah today, uh, talking about your work with the Diplomatic Courier and really the future of media, media organizations. Uh, give us a sense of that. So I'm here uh, speaking with colleagues in the media business and just really brainstorming together about some of these changes that we're seeing in the industry and how we can better read the signals and prepare for possible futures or how we say a diplomatic courier, help the future arrive well. Yeah. And, and what is it in an age where so many have built up a distrust of media in so many different ways? Uh, it seems to me that the future has to be grounded in that trust element. What what's the vision to get that or to restore that trust? Right. So we we do our methodology. Not to get very technical about it, is to look at two two uh, to answer two questions. You know, in the work we do, one is. Um, what is it right now that is decaying that we ne- need mm. to help let go? And what is being born that we need to help arrive well? Mm. And that helps us sort of build scenarios, look at the signals, you know, look at polling sentiment, look at really what society is really concerned about and, and try to help build those scenarios so that we can be, be better prepared. There's multiple futures, right? Being a futurist or a forecaster doesn't really mean that you're a fortune teller. You're not really going to see exactly what's going to happen around the corner. But what you can do is really what military leaders and all types of leaders do um, every in their everyday work anyways, and that is to see versions, be prepared, so that when these versions happen, that disruption doesn't completely halt everything you do. Uh, it, it, that's so important because often we think of, of future, futuristic prognostication and all that and it's kind of a fortune telling telling you know what kind of crystal ball do you have today (laughs) it sounds silly almost right (laughs) yeah but there's a discipline to it right it's it's looking at all of those things the things that are yet to be born that we need to make sure are born well how we factor in all of those things Uh, i actually thought of you the other day we had a general on talking about uh, what russia was doing Mm -hmm. uh, with these three hundred thousand people they've conscripted in and it was so interesting the general was talking about well we know this and this and this are happening Mm -hmm. but what i'm worried about is what we're not watching. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it seems to me that that's part of what you do in your forecasting is what are the big trends that we're completely missing? 
So I think, you know, I will tell you the five trends that we have been studying and we recalibrate those trends. We actually meet with teams and experts and we do workshops and we change those. Those trends are not, you know, hard in stone. Every year they change. We're agile and how everyone should be really when they're thinking about these issues. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. But when I when I tell you about them, you're going to say, well, of course, duh, they're trends. They're, we know them, you know. The question is not to just identify them and write them on mm. paper, but also to figure out how they interconnect. Yeah. Because solving one issue really helps solve some of the other ones. So at World in 2050, the five big research clusters or megatrends that we've identified, and none of this actually might sound surprising to your to your audience, one is exponential technologies radically reshaping the world we live in, of course. Uh, second one is disruption from climate change and energy transition. That's only now beginning. Um, and what does, does that really mean? Um, the workplace cares less about actual degrees and more about skills. And that's something that we're viewing, uh, we've seen in the past decade. And that societal distrust and fragmentation have been surging. That's nothing new there. So we really need to figure out how to work around it. And then, of course, a fifth one is a very interesting one that we care a lot about. And that is that governance institutions are under pressure. Mm-hmm. And the reason we, we think about that so deeply is not because – you know, there's we see this erosion of institutions the way we knew them and we're trying to cling on to them the way we used to, is about this recalibration of what trust really means. Why is this surge right now of or of trust deficit? Why do people why do we not trust anybody except for maybe our very close friends or very close community? Why do we not trust figures of authority or why do we not trust um institutions of authority that used to be um places that we we got guidance from before yeah, yeah so important and i want to dig into that just a, a little bit more it's it's one that we talk about a lot on this show and uh, we always say we have stress tested uh american style democracy this constitutional republic we've stress tested it in world wars and in pandemics and economic collapse but we've never really stress tested it in the absence of trust. Mm -hmm. And it seems as you look at that as a trend, that governance component and the distrust component, Mm -hmm. to me, it seems like there's a a lot of interconnectedness uh, of the dots on that. Yeah, I mean, it's true. We've seen this trend kind of manifest more in the past five to six years, but it's been a long-term trend in the past decade or more. This distrust goes back to, do people really feel that institutions of power and, and, and messengers of authority are really looking out for their, for their own, for the, for the common good or for their, for their good? And, you know, institutions and leaders have been mired in, in, um, scandals and they've been kind of exposed for, for not really, you know, and this is happening across the board. It's happening yeah. in the media. It's happening with politicians, with all types of authority figures. So that kind of, you know, erosion of trust didn't just happen overnight. It's been kind of ongoing. So the question is, what can leaders do to mend 
mm. the trust that's been lost. Yeah. Um, and it's a, it's a whole of society approach. It's not just the job of the leaders to do this. That's right. Yeah. In fact, we often talk about it in the context that uh, it's usually community or culture that leads, and the right. politicians tend to follow. Right. Uh, and and getting to that, I think, is such an important part. So as our as our listeners are out there today, they're thinking, uh, what are the mega trends in their world, or, or how do they impact some of those mm-hmm. big trends, including trust and governance and all of those things? Right. Uh, it's often those small and simple things that mm-hmm. we can do. Uh, So we don't feel like we're powerless in all of this. But what should we be thinking about individually or as families and communities as it relates to the future? Actually, I believe that it is all in the individual. The power is all in the individual here. Like what we do as citizen matters so much more. We actually guide these sentiments and these trends um, for for the, the entire sentiment that then guides politicians. So I think it's very important. One of the key statistics, statistics we've been studying is that even though there's huge trust deficit between citizens and people and their leaders, there's the the trust seems to like, that trust deficit seems to get get lot. More different mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to trusting each other. So it goes back to the personal, to the individual, to the community. Yeah. We trust each other at the individual familial level. Right. So if we can figure out a way to create a, you know, to, to multiply that at a higher level, then I think that's very important. So we should be willing to listen to each other. Mm-hmm. And we start, you know, we, we saw this across the f- past few campaign cycles where if you disagreed with me, then I cancel you or I, you know, I cut you off. And I think that's just the wrong way to, to even start, you yeah. know, kind of figuring out this trend. Um, I would say uh, the best way to, to contribute to solving this big issue is to Start figuring out the things we agree on mm-hmm. and start from there. Yeah. I would say we have a lot more in common than we have. No into, question. You know. No question. And I, I think it's so vital. We often uh, go to the points of disagreement. We go to the anger, fear, frustration models okay. that, that, that divide us further. Uh, and really, I think we have less of a political polarization, much more of a contempt problem where because right. we disagree, you're worthless, you're meaningless. So I can melt down your social media feed and mm-hmm. I can blow up your Facebook page with awful statements and I can still feel good about myself and go to church on Sunday. Uh, and, and I think that's where we, we miss it, where we become so focused on the anger, fear, frustration factors, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to what's that common ground uh, how do we elevate that? We've been talking today about uh, Aristotle and talking about how mm-hmm. political life uh, in a free society should be a humanizing arena, mm-hmm. uh, which is not a demonizing arena, a humanizing arena to moderate conflict and pursue the common good. And to me, that seems like a trend uh, that we've got to get to as a society. Well, you're playing at my heartstrings when you <laughs> when you say things like Aristotle yeah. and the Greeks. <laughs> um, d- that's absolutely true. Absolutely true. I think we start. Obviously, this is why we study exponential tech. Exponential mm. tech obviously has made it so much more difficult for us to to be decent to each other because it's so yeah. impersonal. It's so much easier being a keyboard warrior. Right. Um, so I think as now, you know, we're back in the open again and meeting again and all of that, I think the the art and science of, of being together in a community, mm. I think is so important. I think we need to bring a lot more of that together. Yeah. Getting in the same room together, uh, it it forces you to look at the humanity 
Exactly. You wouldn't say some of the things you say on Facebook to someone in in the, to their face. But if you do get to hear about some of the things they care about, you will find a lot more in common than you would behind a keyboard. Yeah. Finally, real quickly, uh, what's what's one trend you wish everybody would just start thinking about right now? We always talk about making a difference, doing something today. What's what's one of those action items we all can engage in, lean into today? One of the big things we've been studying is this, you know, we hear a lot about the pandemic and all of that. One of the things we kind of forgot all about, there's been a trend for more, even before the pandemic, mm. it's the loneliness epidemic. Yeah. We are not very happy right now <laughs> and that's across the board yeah. all over the world and that well-being that ability to talk to a friend mm. and connect that kind of like happiness and well-being that yeah. you can't really quite measure but we know we have a huge deficit on this is how it gets started and i think that kind of i know it sounds really you know soft and fuzzy to to say that but we actually have data behind that that we know that even when gdp growth is up and contentment and unhappiness is kind of going down that translates to major disruptions in political and societal mm. life. So. Yeah. Oh, great insight. I'd keep you here all afternoon, and uh, our listeners would be all the better. Uh, so grateful to have Honor Rolled, the founder and publisher of The Diplomatic Courier here in studio. Uh, people, this is what leadership looks like. Uh, this is what vision sounds like, and we all need to engage in it. Uh, Anna, thanks for joining us today. It's a, it's a huge pleasure. Thank you for those words. Thank you. All right. You, we'll have you back. All right. We'll step aside for one last commercial break. Come back with some final thoughts today on Inside Sources. Stick around. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.